fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Habner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Greetings, Fantasy Wolves. This is your host, the Wolf of Roto Street. I am alone today because the truth is being his dad self, but that's fine because I got the Fantasy Wolves today with Elliot Christ of the Quant Edge. We just finished recording, and my goodness, this is a can't-miss interview. Elliot, again, writes for the Quant Edge, just loaded with great, fantastic tools. Check it out, quantedge.com, and he came and brought the heat today in the Fantasy Wolves segment like none other that we've had. We were both high on Jarvis Landry, Kenny Stills, and Mitch Trubisky. Come in and find out why. But then the, the, the gloves went on, and we went at it about on Johnson, Jay Ajayi, Jimmy Graham. Then I run into the no-huddle offense and find his rapid-fire takes on some great stuff, including a, a longer non-rapid-fire take on Gronk that you absolutely need to hear. So listen in to this fantastic segment of Fantasy Wolves, again brought to you by the Roto Street Journal. Find us at rotostreetjournal.com. This is an installment of the Fantasy Fullback dive. Make sure if you like what you hear, you subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are, so you don't miss any audio lead blocks, pulverizing audio lead blocks this offseason. We are going to pave that path to your 2018 title. Listen in now, folks. Alrighty, and we are thrilled to welcome on Elliot Christ. Uh, from the Quant Edge, and a fantastic new site with just unbelievable DFS tools. I've been starting to play around with all that stuff. You guys have done a great job there, Elliot, and thanks so much for joining the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, man. I really appreciate uh, both those kind words about the site and you having me on. Absolutely. Um, and we're just going to dive right into it, too, with uh, the Fantasy Wolves segment. We've done a couple of these already. We had Field Yates on last week, and we've had a couple other big names. And we're, we're thrilled to welcome you on. So the way this will work for our listeners, if this is your first time tuning in, I'm going to give Elliot three guys that we agree on, we're a little bit bolder on, and really think we'll have good seasons that might be a little bit uh, disrespected right now by the community. Then we'll do three disagrees, so someone he might be higher on that I'm lower on, or I might be higher on and, and he doesn't agree with. And then we'll run him through the uh, no-huddle offense, where it's just kind of a rapid-fire uh, two-minute segment that we just fire through uh, a few questions. Sound good, man? Absolutely. Let's do it. All righty. So the first guy, I absolutely love this guy, and I saw him in your article, which was fantastic. Your round-by-round targets. Uh, if you haven't seen that one on Quantage, make sure you check it out. But one guy that I'm absolutely all in on is Jarvis Landry, and it looks like you like him a lot too. What are you liking about Jarvis Landry now in Cleveland? Well, the the one thing is I feel like people are starting to catch up on Jarvis Landry as yeah. ADP continues to rise because there was a point in best ball a month ago where he started going in the seventh round. And, you know, when you add in the question marks with Josh Gordon, whether or not he's going to play, Jarvis Landry could see a ton of targets. You know, Todd Haley has really featured as wide receiver one historically. Mm-hmm. They're going to get Landry involved outside of just the slot role, which is good. And Tyrod Taylor's the scheduled starter right now. And if you look at the areas of the field that Tyrod taught – Tyrod Taylor targets most it almost it screams Jarvis Landry is going to get a ton of volume this year and you know I know he might not be the sexiest guy but sometimes those weekly built-in floor guys are fantastic for a football your fantasy football team right if, if you're going for all these big game uh, weeks out of all these guys having a guy that you know is going to get you eight points every week no matter what is is 
really helpful. And Landry's got the 20-point upside as well. So I think the, the community hates on Jarvis Landry more than they should, and it's reflected in his price. And the times the time to buy Landry is now before it's too late. Absolutely. I agree fully with everything you said. The floor is just so established every week. But I think in Cleveland, th- those points you mentioned raise that ceiling so much. Todd Haley dominated with you know elite talents, obviously, like Antonio Brown and Larry Fitz. But he's also made monsters out of Dwayne Bowe and Steve Breston, even at 1,000 yards under him. So this guy knows what he's doing with his wide receivers, a former wide receiver coach, sending and on a more diverse route tree as well for Jarvis Landry. We saw his first catch last Last week with the Browns was a 32-yard reception, longer than anything he did on 114 catches with the Dolphins last year. So, I mean, he's used more extensively, kind of capitalizing on that ability at the catch point, which I don't think he was really used appropriately in Miami. Just got a lot of dink and dunk routes. He can do a lot more than what we showed, uh, what he showed there, and I think Haley's going to be the guy to really uh, exploit that out of him, especially with a quarterback, like you mentioned, like Tyrod Taylor. Those two just seem completely linked in, same page. I, I love him as well, so... Great points all around there. And the other guy now, so Landry leaves Miami, opens up some targets there, and, and a guy we think both is, is not getting reflected for is Kenny Stills. What do you like about him? So one last point on Jarvis Landry is I oh, kind of sure. wish, wish he wasn't on Hard Knocks because I feel like that's making <laughs> more people like him. Every year there's the one guy in Hard Knocks whose ADP rises because of it. So I, I kind of wish we picked a different team. I know, seriously, it. one-handed catches and stuff. I mean, he's making plays all over the field. Maybe people will wake up to how good this guy actually is, right? But if they picked a different team, I wouldn't want it to be the Dolphins because Kenny Stills – I have more Kenny Stills than is healthy. You know, I, I might like Kenny Stills more than Kenny Stills' mom likes him this year. But you look at the guy who's – he had, what, 58 catches on 105 targets last year. And uh, Landry's 161 wide receiver targets leave. They bring in Albert Wilson and Danny, Danny Amendola. They think Wilson's going to play on the outside, mixing and matching with Parker and Amendola in the slot. And I, I think Stills will work in the slot some as well, where you've seen him be highly effective. But, you know, if you add, let's say he gets 30 of those Jarvis Landry targets, which I think is a pretty conservative number. That put him at 135 targets, which puts him top 13. And then if you look at the guys that have got, been top 13 in targets in the history or in the last 10 years of the NFL, uh, they've all, no one's ever finished worse than wide receiver 27, which coincidentally is what Kenny Stills finished last year. And then he goes wide receiver 54 off the board. Uh, he, he, and not to mention, he gets valuable targets, right? Like, we think of Kenny Stills as just a, a ceiling guy, but in 17 of his last 32 games, he scored double-digit fantasy points in PPR format. So he's he makes big yeah. plays. He gives you a floor. He's going to get a ton of targets. And here he is hanging out in the ninth or tenth round. And, you know, the concern is that, well, with Tannehill, he never did great. Well, you know, he saw 17 or 16% market share with Tannehill in 2016 and 17% market share last year. Mm-hmm. People were referencing more of that when Stills was the third option behind Mike Wallace, who kind of took that Kenny Stills role. Now, I, I think that that's one of those situations where sometimes when we go back too far in fantasy football, it's not really actionable data. And I think Kenny Stills is set up as the number one wide receiver in Miami that's going to have a ton of volume down the field, is going to see more targets. And if he improves his efficiency a little bit, like he's got he's got like top 15 wide receiver upside going at wide receiver 54 in the ninth or 10th round. I think it's a no-brainer. Absolutely. And you mentioned, uh, you know, he, he dominates at every layer of the field. He's had 18 touchdowns over the last three seasons. That's top 15 among all re- wide receivers, more than Julio Jones over that span. So, I mean, not just a deep threat in, in me. He, he dominates in the red zone, too. Plus, uh, you know, Landry's targets are available. What about Devontae Parker? Broken finger, questionable for week one. Just always so soft and never fully on the field. I don't get how people are still, at, at this point, if you haven't broken out, I know you're made 
us some special stuff, but if you haven't broken out yet, it's not going to be Devontae Parker. So I agree with you. Kenny Stills is going to be that number one guy. Different than Landry, yes, but still, you know, he, he could be a target hog. They're going to be playing from behind plenty. and I think he's going to blow up this year too. So I'm fully with you. Great value in, in round 10 right now. Outperformed his ADP both two seasons in a row now at this point. He was drafted as the wide receiver 61 last year. Like you said, wide receiver 27 finish. I see something similar this year. He's going at like wide receiver 50. Definitely in the top 25 or so receivers, I think he finishes. Um, the last guy, another late round guy. I don't get why people don't like him. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> and the funny thing is, like, Matt Harmon's come out about it. I think Evan Silva's come out about it. Graham Barfield. A lot of the top guys in the industry, like, Kenny Stills was set up for a monster year. Yeah. And he's still... Not climbing on right. I'll take it. Yeah, fine with me. Let, let, yeah, exactly. The guys that I respect the most, I'll love them and, and still. Yeah, I'm fully with you there. Um, and another one, the last like late round guy that I, I'm really into too. Um, you know, I wait on quarterbacks every single draft, and this is a guy that I love getting as my second with some serious upsides, Mitch Trubisky. What are you liking about Mitch Trubisky now in Chicago? So not not just from a statistical standpoint of the fact that they get Nagy in there and they get Helfrick in there going from John Fox, who was one of the worst yeah. <laughs> quarterback coaches you, you could ask for in terms of how the, the volume and the efficiency. And I think they ran more when trailing than any other team in the NFL. But Trubisky goes from what, Dante Inman as his number one receiver to Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, and Trey Burton. Like that's that's about as big of an upgrade yep. into a receiver course you can get, and you know I really I think the Gabriel signing is underrated because mm-hmm. Helfrick and Oregon love to get um, players open in space and do like quick bubble screens. Screens, they, yep. And Taylor Gabriel uh, in 2016 was actually the number one screen receiver in the NFL. He had a perfect wide receiver rating on it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great slot receiver. I think Anthony Miller's a guy that's blown up a lot. Allen Robinson really makes plays downfield, and that's something that Trubisky excels in. And I think he's going to have more volume and a quarterback-friendly offense. And then to boot, he's athletic. Like people, people don't think of him as athletic, mm-hmm. but he can run. They're going to get some zone read stuff. And anytime you get an athletic quarterback, it builds in weekly floor. So I get more volume, more rushing attempts with far better people to throw to. And it's to me, it's like at the 13th, 14th round, it's. It's a no-brainer to grab him as my upside QB, too. Absolutely, and just building on all those points. So at Roto Street, we do a thing called the, the Fantasy Stock Formula. I think you kind of hit on every single key point, so I just kind of want to like organize it in that way. So the only question I have with Mitch is his individual talent. That's one of the things we grade. We grade the highest, but he does throw. Last year, according to Pro Football Focus, had the third highest uh, passer rating on deep passes. So the man can sling it, and that was kind of his calling card coming out, and that's perfect because Nagy, we have a, a coaching scheme thing we grade. Nagy's perfect for that. 62 deep attempts was first in the league for Alex Smith last year. Alex Smith led the league in deep yardage, deep pass rating, all that good stuff. And Nagy's already come out and said, we want to be aggressive. We want to push the ball down the field. Uh, you know, that, that's his calling card. So, I mean, that fits perfectly. We got the, the individual talent fitting the coaching scheme. And you mentioned all those surrounding talent upgrades. I mean, a great stacked cast goes from one of the worst in the league to a, a pretty loaded weapons cabinet, in my opinion. So, all those factors lining up perfectly for, for Mitch Trubisky. Just a matter of does he actually process this complex system? Can he make all those throws? There's probably going to be some picks, some growing pains, but ultimately you lose a point or two in fantasy for the, the 60-yard bomb to Gabriel, the all, all that good stuff. I'll, I'll take it any day of the week. So I'm with you. I think Trubisky's a, a tremendous value where he he's going. Me, he reminds me a little bit of Blake Bortles because that's the other quarterback I grab late. Yeah. Uh, because I, even if he's not that good at football – like he's set up to be really good at fantasy football. Exactly. And that's that's what we're we're ultimately trying to do here. 
you know, rush like every point you just made is fantastic. So if he was number three in deep passing with the receivers last year, you throw in Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, right? Like, and and Trey Burton's another really underrated uh, addition too in terms of playing that Travis Kelsey role. I mean, he was one of the most efficient tight ends in the league last year. So, you know, I I, I really like I'm buying the Bears offense this year. Absolutely, and that's the best part too is when people don't recognize they're so bad last year that there's still a bad taste in people's mouth. It just creates those enormous values. I mean, look at the, the Rams last year. If you can find that right guy, that Sean McVay, that unlocks it, adds a couple new additions, and suddenly this offense takes a – they went from literally worst to first in scoring. I don't know if the Bears will do that, but ultimately they're going to take a solid leap forward, and I don't think the prices reflect that in fantasy. So it's a tremendous bargain, all the Bears play. I mean, Tariq Cohen, I could go on for days about that guy. I absolutely love what he's going to bring. Um, but no, all, all great points. I love that. Unfortunately, this is where we. What's that? I said uh, Cohen helps Trubisky too, right? Because he's he's a dynamic receiver. So we just added another guy that right. you know, when Trubisky can throw the ball two yards, and then Cohen can do the rest. Exactly, do all the work, and he's getting split out wide, getting sent deep. I mean, he's just going to be a mismatched terror under Nagy and and healthy, the, the rushing ability too. I'm glad you mentioned that. With Helfrich coming from Oregon, obviously runs tons of spread. Used Mariota in that running. You know, so much rollouts, all that good stuff. There's going to be tons of upside with Trubisky. That's just going completely under the radar. Um, but this this is the part of the interview where there's been some good agreements. I love all the takes, but we're going to start disagreeing a little bit. So, yeah, here we go. The first guy I want to talk about is Carryon Johnson. Um, and you're not alone. A lot of people are loving this guy. I do like the individual talent a lot, but I'm a little bit worried about his situation and not sure he's going to be as useful in fantasy as he is going to be on the real field. So why do you like Carryon Johnson as much as you do? So this is actually something I tweeted about this morning that you need to understand when to let a player go, right? Like you can have a guy as a sleeper or a value, but if mm-hmm. he starts shooting up the board, you kind of pass on him. So Carryon Johnson is, is kind of that. So maybe okay. maybe um. You know, taking a cop out here, but I got a lot of ninth, eighth round carry on Johnson. I think on my draft report, I uh, put him in the seventh, and even then, now he goes in the fifth. But jeez, oh, yeah, and that's too much. That's too much. But ultimately, the way I looked at it was, if you compared him to the other running backs in round eight or nine, he had the clearest path to become the the dominant ball carrier. I don't believe that they care much about Legarrette Blunt. I mean, yesterday he was playing in the third quarter. He's a 32-year-old running back. They gave him very little money. I know he's the goal line guy, but if you look at him last year, I think he had one touchdown on 12 carries inside the five-yard line. He was the least efficient goal line guy in the NFL. Um, I think Theo Riddick will ultimately be the pass catcher. He's he's fantastic in that role. I don't think Amir Abdullah will be on the team. And I th- you, you've seen the quotes about Carrion Johnson. They added Frank Ryan now. Taylor Decker gets back. I think they're going to feature him more, and he's going to be the first and second down guy. And at a late round ADP, I liked him. But once he starts going in the fifth round, or I, I kind of back off him. So that's that's kind of the way I looked at it. Yeah, I got you. And, and granted, is, let's say he falls down a little bit. So last night, you know, he only had nine yards, four carries. Um, maybe he goes back down. I still, even in that eighth, ninth round range, we're just talking about Cohen and, you know, sometimes Marshawn Lynch falls down that far, which is just insane to me. 
there's just a lot of guys I end up looking over carry on because I love the talent. I just think he is going to be stuck in between the 20s hells, kind of what I refer to it as. is like He's got these early down carries. I think the line upgrades are fantastic. I think he's going to do some damage. He'll rack up some decent total yardage, but ultimately maybe Blunt does keep that goal on roll no matter how inefficient he was. He has Matt Patricia now, uh, obviously an old Patriots guy who's a big committee guy. Saw, saw Blunt rumble for 18 touchdowns just a couple years ago, and then Riddick's obviously going to maintain that pass-catching role. And that's two of the most valuable fantasy gainers right there is receptions and touchdowns. If he's losing those and stuck in this, if Abdullah gone, that does change things too, but it could be a potential four-headed nightmare, maybe just a three-headed one. As good as he might be, I just don't ever love buying committees like that. I think one thing you need to factor in is the fact that they did trade up to get him. They spent significant draft capital. You see when teams draft guys in the first and second round at running back, they get him on the field a lot. That's true. I think he's going to replace Blunt in that goal line. Role. I wouldn't be shocked if Blunt's not on the team when the season's over. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point too. Is by maybe early on in the season, my like between the twenty hells thing is predicting and it's going well. But he's totally one of those guys that by midseason, his talent, the draft capital they put in, just takes over and and suddenly you know maybe you only paid an eighth round pick and suddenly he's returning second third round value it took a little bit to get there I can see carry on being in a situation like that for sure especially if they release Blunt and realize how bad he actually was at the stripes so. All fair points. I think we're kind of both on like the it's both little, sides of this one. He's a different type of player. Yeah. It's almost a little bit similar to the Alvin Kamara situation where they wanted Peterson to be the guy and Kamara like didn't touch the the ball much mm-hmm. the first four weeks. And then the he obviously came on that. He's not going to do that. But I'm talking about like I wouldn't be shocked if Blunt's inefficient and they're just like, you know what, you're 32 years old. We drafted a guy. Let's just go with carry on and uh, theoretic. I, I can totally see that too, yeah. Another guy that, that you're down on, but I'm I'm thinking bounces back huge after a horrible bust of the year type of performance is is Jay Ajayi. What has you thinking that he won't have any type of rebound? So it's kind of funny that all the things you just explained about Carrion Johnson, I could see that being Jay Ajayi. Okay. So I think that, you know, his fourth round price tag right now, you're looking at the guy that's going to split carries with three people. I think Sproles is going to have a part in the offense. I think he's going to be the pass catcher. I think Corey Clement, who by all accounts looks fantastic in camp, uh, came on during the Super Bowl, is going to have a role in the offense, and Jay Ajayi is going to have a role in the offense. Now, I do think, unlike last year, Ajayi will see a carry inside the five-yard line. Like I don't, I'm not one of these guys that doesn't think that that's possible. But I think that basically in the fourth round in a crowded backfield, it makes me worried, especially if we're talking redraft. Uh, like I'll get some shares in best ball where I don't have to pick the week, but whenever you get three mouse defeat and you have to pay a fairly premium price tag, it makes me worried. Yeah, I think it's it, there are going to be three months mouse. I know Clement came on last year. Sproles will return. To me, though, I'm more worried about those two kind of playing that pass-catching role, that third-down role, more so than where Ajayi is going to make his money. I think he's going to be the clear-cut early-down guy, the goal-line guy, the short-yardage guy with blunt removed. I think that path is pretty clear, and I almost look at it as more like one back and then two backs as like a a second back in a way, and it's a a one-two type of punch in my eyes. I don't know if that actually plays out, but I'm just looking at a guy that's running behind the best offensive line in the league. They run a ton of traps, which I think fits in Ajay's running style perfectly. He's kind of patient, and he gets those blockers. He reads it really well. I know he doesn't have the breakaway speed at this point, but he's good in the open field at making people miss. I think the offense, as long as Wentz is fully healthy, is going to be able to maintain that 
38-ish points per game. A lot of goal line work in the, the most explosive offense in the league. Seems seems to me like it, it could be a steal for Jay Ajayi. Plus, if Wentz is recovering and they want to kind of ride the, the running game a little bit more while he's getting healthy. I've also seen these reports that it's, it's contract year. I mean, this is just rumors. It's just puffs, so you never know if it's actually true. But because it's his contract year, they might try to get the most they can out of him and, and actually buck Peterson's trend of committees and really try to give him 250 or so carries. Who knows if that actually happens, but... There's a, there's a chance, and behind the best line and an explosive offense, with I, I do think Jai gets shit on a little bit too much. I think he's a better talent than a lot of people think. I, I think there's a lot of factors here that could could pan out for a big bounce back. There, listen, there's certainly upside. Everything you just pointed out is, I think, is really important, especially the offensive line mm-hmm. and the way they run. I the the Eagles are actually the one team where I have a couple of, like actual friends who cover the team, as opposed mm-hmm. to guys I just like talk to. Sure. Um, and they keep telling me that Corey Clement looks unbelievable. Okay. That he's going to have a big role in the team. And I just feel like if they start splitting the first and second, second down work or like one guy comes in one series, one guy comes in the other, it's it starts messing with that. Mm-hmm. But like your point, his ceiling is absolutely there. Mm-hmm. right? It's, and we've seen – Honestly, that's kind of been J.H.I.'s entire career is he'll have, like, three straight 40-yard games and then a 220-yard game and three touchdowns. Like, <laughs> exactly. So, like, so like it, I he's not a guy that, like, because I've done a ton of best ball, right? I don't want no J.H.I. I certainly want shares to him, but I don't want to be overweight or underweight on him. Um, just, I guess I'm a little nervous that he's going to split time with three guys and that compared to the other guys going where he goes, not many other people have that risk in terms of their situation. Absolutely, yeah. If, if Clement does is looking as good as they're saying and does end up rotating in those early downs, I'm kind of, the way I'm valuing him is he has that early down thing on lock. If Clement starts eating into that and it's every other series, then that would put a real damper on on his predictability, his consistency. So hopefully that's not true the way I'm projecting him, the way I'm going. <laughs> he falls to, you know, mid-four sometimes at this point. So at that stage... I'm getting him often as my, my flex, which as a third running back, I absolutely love it. I don't want him as my RB1 by any means. RB2, I hope I, I have two stacked receivers to go with him as my RB2. But if I'm getting him at, at four as my third running back oftentimes, there's just too much ceiling for me to pass up as a, as a flex player. So I think it's pretty good value there. The running back position is also in a little bit of trouble right now. Like people, One, people are attacking it very early, very often. Mm-hmm. Two... You lose a third-rounder in Geis. A second-to-third-rounder in McCoy has a season-long suspension looming over his head. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, these running backs continue to go higher and higher off the board now. Exactly, yeah. We did a segment on that. We call it the Tear Jerkers on our podcast, where we broke down the third-round running backs at this stage. And it's just, that, that tier is just a complete crapshoot at this point. So, that's why I love actually going running back, running back to start my drafts, to be honest. I love just two horses. I like the third and fourth round receivers, like Landry we just talked about in the fourth, maybe Amari Cooper in the third. That's kind of how I often attack drafts, so I'm not even too worried about that third round tier, but who knows who's going to end up taking over there. Um, now the last guy I put on here, and I it used to be, this was a kind of last minute switch, and maybe that's something that you could talk about just not overreacting to the preseason, but I might be at this point. We originally were agreeing on this guy. We are both low on Jimmy Graham, but one catch, one touchdown is kind of all I wanted to see. I kind of dig a little bit deeper and was reading some practice reports on Aaron Rodgers and, and things like that, and now I'm suddenly buying into the puff and the hype, and, and Jimmy Graham seems like he could be a, a monster in Green Bay, but you're not as high on him. Why is that? So I think, listen, 
does playing with Aaron Rodgers help every single player ever? Sure. But he's also come from Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. So Jimmy Graham, I think, is the luckiest player in the history of the NFL. He's been on three teams and getting to play with those guys. But, you know, with the Seahawks last year, he was the number one targeted player in the red zone in the NFL. Um, and then he goes to the Packers where Devonta Adams is the number one targeted wide receiver in the red zone in the NFL. And I understand that Rodgers is fantastic inside the 10 and, you know, he can buy time and throw it to throw it up to Jimmy Graham and he'll definitely have some weeks with some big touchdowns. But, you know, I think his current ADP is what? 54 and a half mm-hmm. uh, mid fifth round. I wouldn't mind taking seventh round Jimmy Graham, which is I've gotten him in some drafts there. I, but in the fifth round, I think you need more than just a touchdown upside kind of guy. And he's really, he's not the same athlete he was previously. If you look at kind of his game speed, he's a below average athlete now at the tight end position. He's not really making any plays down the field. Um, if you look at all of his routes with an, uh, an A dot over 10, he struggled. You know, we're, we're looking at a corner route was a 42.9. We're looking at a go route, which was a 59 rating. A post route was a 39 rating. Mm-hmm. A wheel route was a 75 rating. Like, all of his top top production, all of his top production was on shorter routes. Actually, it's pretty incredible. Uh, seven of his touchdowns came on fades last year. So you know, just that I think Rich Rebar is the one that called him a, a goal line uh, running back because that's kind of what he was. I just I don't see you know the the red zone share and the target equity in the red zone being able to go up any more than it was. And he, I don't think that. You know, Rodgers also isn't someone that has historically targeted the tight end down the field. So I just think that he's kind of priced at his ceiling right now, and those are the kind of guys I look to avoid. Yeah, so I, I'm with you. I, I, that was kind of my original thing. He's going to be a touchdown or bust like he kind of was last year. The the Packers don't use the tight ends. There's a long, lengthy history that I have a whole document of the last, like, 12 tight ends under Aaron Rodgers, and it's not pretty. Um, but the more I was looking at this one, I just – and, again, it could be just Puff, and I could be falling for Rodgers' quotes – um, but the first thing I saw that he, he said after the game was, I'm pleased with Jimmy Graham. He's played great. It's nice to be on the same page. Um, he, he reminds me of John Kuhn and then Jordy Nelson and the way he just like prepares and sees it through my eyes and wants to play the game exactly as I want it. And the guys who see it through my eyes are the ones I generally give the ball to. Um, and he said just, that, that they've been really just drilling that chemistry down to get on that complete same page. And then Rodgers kept talking about how this guy is more athletic. He said, well, he can do it all over the field. I don't think he was used a ton these past couple of years as much over the middle, but he's an incredible athlete. He's still got a wide catch radius. He's still a big guy. We haven't had a mismatch nightmare like this in a while. So just listening to the, you know, Rodgers rave about him. I know, again, it's just puff. It's just quotes. But there is a complete open target share there. I mean, Devontae Adams, number one. I love Devontae Adams. He brings a ton of upside to the table. But after him, Geronimo Allison could be good. You know, all these rookies they brought in bring a ton of upside. But there's no clear cut, especially in the red zone, guy other than Adams that, that I'm too worried about. I could see Jimmy Graham kind of being that number two guy. And even if those targets drop down, like you mentioned, he was kind of like the goal line running back, led the league in red zone targets last year. Even if it drops down a little bit, Rodgers is so good. You mentioned buying time and just puts the the ball wherever he wants it. When you got a six seven guy like Jimmy Graham who knows how to dominate on those fade routes and those using that frame, and you got Rodgers who can buy the time and then put it wherever he wants, that just seems to me like it's going to be touchdown heaven. I could see 12, 15 touchdowns, maybe you know a resurgence and a little bit of uh, open field yardage if Rodgers is going to use it more that way. 
they're just it seems like a pretty decent floor to me in that middle sixth round, fifth round price with a, a ceiling. What if he does suddenly get utilized more than he just he was misutilized in Seattle and suddenly Rodgers is using him to his fullest and he gets back to his thousand yards day? Probably not, but there is that ceiling with a pretty decent touchdown floor and at a tight end position where there's just so much uncertainty, you know, I I can see him being a good middle round uh, value there. So you're not a believer in Randall Cobb? I see, not really. I, I I loved him for so long, and I know he had what 14 touchdowns or something like that a couple years ago. I even owned him that year, and I loved it. But I'm not. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it in a while, so I'm not. Yeah, he was actually decent with Rodgers last year, but um, you know, and he got hurt and. It's a no, good name to bring up. I mean, I completely forgot yeah. to even say him. Cobb is Cobb is good, but he's just not. He's not six seven. Jimmy Graham in the red zone. Know. You know what I mean? Jimmy, I think Jimmy Graham could score anywhere between six and twelve touchdowns. And yeah. but I think that he's more. I think he's more touchdown dependent than you think. Uh, but again, it, it's all about the cost, right? right? Like when Jimmy Graham falls in drafts, I'm not scared to grab him. Mm. But if Jimmy Graham, like I think I just grabbed him in uh, the flex draft on SiriusXM last week at like tenth in the tenth round. I had no that was easy money. Um, but everyone, everyone I look at is you know a cost based analysis, right? Mm. Where where a guy is going is a huge deal to me. So Jimmy Graham, if his ADP drops a little bit, I'll grab him. But where he's at right now, I think he's priced closer to his ceiling. But like you, I I can say that if he does show show a resurgence and regain some of his athleticism. He claimed he can run like a four five. I don't right. I don't believe that. But every <laughs> player claims they they can run a crazy forty. Right. But if he did get to back to Saints, Jimmy Graham, obviously he would crush his ADP and be a league winning pick. Right. Exactly. And that's you know is he's priced at his ceiling? Yes, except for that fact that he could be a true league winner in round five. You know, it, it depends, it, it, the team makeup too, right? If I have two running backs, two receivers, I feel pretty good about. Maybe that's where I take the plunge. I also have Evan Ingram higher though, and he goes in the same range. So I almost end up with Ingram every time over Graham anyways. But uh, who knows, <laughs> if he keeps this preseason play and rapport up, I, I might be having a few more Jimmy Graham uh, shares. But you ready for the, uh, we'll move on to the no huddle offense. You ready to take it down? Yeah, let's do it. Everything's been great so far. So, again, we appreciate the time. We'll rapid fire through this, and then you can remind everybody you know, where to find you if they don't already follow you. So, first question on this one. Who should go number one overall? So, I'm going to give a cop-out answer and say that I don't think it ultimately matters because I think all four guys that are in the debate are going to have fantastic years. Me too. Uh, you had to choose one. You're on the clock. Who is it? <laughs> I, I, I take Todd Gurley first overall, and I understand that – People say, you know, running backs don't typically repeat RB1 overall performances. But just the way they were using him in the passing game, I think, is it w- is absolutely a dream come true. Though, I would pr- if I had to not take Gurley, I would probably take David Johnson. There you go. Give us your most undervalued player at each position. QB, RB, wide receiver, and tight end. Uh, quarterback, it's Mitch Trubisky. But if, we, if I can't pick him, I'll take Blake Bortles. Mm-hmm. Um, running back, I'll go with Giovanni Bernard. Wide receiver, it's Kenny Stills, but Nelson Aguilar. That's who I'll go with because I'm trying not to repeat him. I got gotcha. uh, And here, here's a – I'll give you two at tight end. I think Gronk is the most underrated player at his position despite the fact that he's tight end one off the board. I think he should be going about eight picks higher than he is. 
But I think give us a little Gronk love. I know you're huge on Gronk. I'm a New England fan. I want to hear this. I love this stuff. Come on. Now. I just you know you look at Gronk and he had 18% target share last year and he's averaged what 18.8 PPR points per game uh, or DraftKings points per game I should say. And you know Brandon Cooks leaves 114 targets available. There's no Julian Edelman in the first four games of the year. I know everyone's all in on Chris Hogan, but if we're going to be completely honest, Chris Hogan's not this amazing receiver. Uh, Burkhead and Michelle are both banged up right now. We'll see what happens. And the offense should run through Gronk. I mean, we yeah. see a guy that averages, we've seen him go for 1,500 yards and like 15 touchdowns. That's well within his range of outcomes. And people mm-hmm. don't draft him because they're scared he's going to get hurt. But he's played 14 or more games in three of the last four years. And it would be 15, but last year, you know, he tried to kill Tredavious White. So. <laughs> And guys suspended for that. But, you know, I, I just think people are scared of Gronk injuries. But this is the the most dominant player at a very thin position that can legit put up wide receiver one numbers. Like He can, he can score more fantasy points than Michael Thomas or Julio Jones or Odell Beckham. Like he, he can do that. I mean, I think he ended up with, what, 214 or 240 last year. I forget which number. One of those two. But um, obviously that's a big difference. But I just remember the fours. Anyway. Yeah. But I, I just think that – and he's – Always gone in the first round, and now you get him in the second or third round, and I just—that's a league-winning pick to me if he doesn't get hurt, and I'll take my chances on that. And late-round guy, I'll go Eric Ebron. Uh, I think he's going to pass Jack Doyle. I know everyone loves Jack Doyle. Doyle saw 108 targets last year and had like 600 yards. Like he's not—he's not very good. He's—he's he's a reliable underneath guy, but they talk about Eric Ebron splitting out wide, and they're going to get him involved and in, target him in big play games. We've seen Luck be able to support two tight ends before, and I think Ebron's with his athletic upside, the fact that they target him in free agency, and the fact that Doyle's overrated, I think he, he could have a big year. Uh, so so those are the guys I'm going to go with. Absolutely. Great analysis there on all that, too. Love the Gronk pick. Uh, most overvalued player each, quarterback. So same exact question, just overvalued. Quarterback, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. That's a bold one, but it has nothing to do with the fact that I don't think Aaron Rodgers is the first overall quarterback. I just don't think he's a tier on his own. Like, so often I'll see him go three rounds ahead of any other quarterback, and I mm-hmm. think that's that's a mistake. Uh, running back, I'll go with Chris Carson. Mm-hmm. I think Carson's uh, new – He keeps. I keep seeing him go in the seventh or eighth round, and I just think that – I'd much rather Penny at the same range at this point. I understand that there's a report that Carson might be the bell cow. I, I'll believe that when I see it. That the seventh rounder is going to play all the snaps over the first rounder. Mm-hmm. Um, wide receiver, Demarius Thomas. The the fourth round, I mean, I, I know everyone loves Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and Cortland Sutton, thinking that Royce Freeman and Jake Butt are also going to be fantastic. Guys. And I just I don't understand how it all works. Thomas's speed has kind of dropped off. I ultimately don't think that he's going to pay off the price tag similar to like an Amari Cooper, Larry mm-hmm. Fitzgerald kind of player. Uh, tight end. I don't want to say Jack Doyle just because I ripped him, but I think David and Joku's the guy that I'm avoiding now. I was targeting him early in the offseason, but he had that big two-touchdown preseason game, and people are now acting like he's a reliable guy, and they're overdrafting him based on that performance, and so I'm kind of avoiding him. I got a lot of shares early in the 12th, 13th round, but once he starts going in the 8th, I'm out. Awesome. I, and especially on the, the Demarius take, I can't stand Demarius as well. Uh, what what early round draft picks or rounds one through three is going to ruin fantasy seasons? I know you gave me this question in advance, and it's... No, I mean, it's, it's a hard one. It is. It's tricky. It's a, it's a tough question. Um, I think Derek... I, 
I like Derrick Henry in the fourth round, but I, I've been seeing him go in the second round in random drafts, and I think that's way too high. Mm. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, I think, one, he's in a bad situation to begin with, and two, that suspension looming over your, his head, I think you're crazy if you take him in the third round. Um I think Stefan Diggs has started to get people have gotten a little too crazy on him. And, you know, creeping up at the top part of the third round makes me a little bit nervous. And then I would say those are the three. And then Leonard Fournette, if I had to pick one guy in the first round, is the guy that makes me most nervous with those legit ankle issues kind of recurring for three straight years now with that, that workload. I think that he's the guy that if he stays healthy, he could be fantastic, but is a legit injury risk with a, like a deteriorating ankle that Absolutely. shows itself time and time again. Absolutely. Um, we call them penny stocks here, but most call them late-round lottery tickets or flyers, whatever you want to use. Give us the one or two that you need to have this year. So the guy I was getting everywhere was James Washington, but that, those days might be over. Uh, <laughs> Chris Godwin's a guy I really like. Uh, Taewon Taylor. Is a guy I really like. And I'll throw in one running back out there. Darren Sproles in the last round of drafts. He could legit have that pass-catching role. We've seen him have big weeks before. And, I, you know, I, people forget about him because he got was hurt and he's old. But he's, I, I still believe in his, his talent and his role on an explosive offense. Awesome. And the single most important move fantasy owners can make in 2018 that will bring him a title is... Get a top four pick and draft one of those running backs. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I know I'm in an auction draft. And I'm just, I don't care what price it's going to take. I'm getting one of those top four no matter what I do. Um, and so <laughs> my, my co-host throws this one every time. And if your life depended on it, how many hot dogs and buns could you eat in 10 minutes? <laughs> if my life depended. So like if, you, the, this is, like if you said an over-under number, my life depended on it, I think I could get the over. Um, but too many is the correct answer. Like I <laughs> I've eaten too many hot dogs in 10 minutes when I my life doesn't depend on it. But I would guess like anyway, 15, nice. 20, something like that. All right. Solid. Um, and so let's wrap up with your boldest prediction for 2018 season and then just remind everybody where they can find you to interact. So, I mean, my boldest prediction is that Gronk ends up as the number one overall pass catcher in terms of fantasy points this year. And if – if I already kind of went with that, I'll double down on Kenny Stills and say he finishes as a top 15 PPR wide receiver this year. And you guys can check me out on Twitter at Elliot Christ. Uh, check out the Quant Edge at the Quant Edge or the QuantEdge.com, bringing you uh, must-have DFS tools, wide receiver, cornerback matchups, injury tool where you can see the impact every single player offensive defense has on his team and other fantasy relevant players. Head-to-head tool to make you help you make decisions. Optimizer, premium chat, and um, over 20 articles and podcasts exclusive for members and uh, if you use promo code Elliot E-L-I-O-T it'll get you 15% off for the year so make sure you check that out guys fantastic stuff the site is fantastic as well I'll double down on that make sure you check it out and and use the code and and get those tools because it all is great stuff Elliot thank you so much for joining today and and Saturday you know burning this early morning oil with me I really appreciate it buddy anytime brother I really appreciate this is a blast Like I promised, 
That was an incredible interview. Hopefully you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed recording. Again, thanks, Elliot, of the Quant Edge, quantedge.com. You can find him at Elliot Christ on Twitter. He's very interactive, awesome takes all over Twitter. I mean, this guy is a stud. If you couldn't tell that already based on that interview, thanks again for joining the show. If you liked what you heard, again, we're going to be the, the podcast that paves your path to a 2018 title. You don't want to miss any of these audio lead blocks, so hit that subscribe button wherever you're at. Make sure you follow all our other stuff too. RotoStreetJournal.com is our homepage. The stock watch is blowing up with all this preseason action going on. So check out RotoStreetJournal.com slash stockwatch. And then, of course, all the socials. Our Instagram has been hot lately. RotoStreetJournal there. And on Facebook, RotoStreetJournal, where we debuted the Daily Draft Wizard this week. So much exciting stuff going on. Check out that at 6 p.m. every day, Eastern Time, where I do mock drafts customized based on your needs. And then you can get me personally, RotoStreetWolf on Twitter and Snapchat. Roto ST Journal is our main hub on Twitter as well. So check all that out. Subscribe, like, comment, interact. It's that time of the year, baby. We want to answer all your questions. Wolf out. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go. But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.